Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. All right, well, if you want to turn with me, I'm going to read out of John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. And last week, Becky talked about the Holy Spirit, and it has not, the burden around that has not left me. I just feel like we need to dig in a little further into the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He is, the presence He should have in our life, how important it is. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you will, let's stand. Let's read this word together. Let's honor God with the reading of his word and release it into the atmosphere. And I'm in the New King James Version, if you have that, Nathaniel. John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your helper that abides with us forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Let it be a fertilizer to the soul of our spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all may be seated. So the Holy Spirit, quite frankly, if you begin to do some study, is kind of the forgotten piece of God. Everyone has heard about the Trinity and the triune God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we often focus so much on the Father in heaven and Jesus being at his right hand and the work that Jesus did and how he blazed and broke open the doors of hell that we might escape sin and death and live a redeemed life um, forever to, to look forward to the day when we join him in heaven. And we forget about the fact that there is the Holy Spirit, that Jesus says, it is a benefit for you that I go away. Now, how about that? That's a hard word from Jesus. It's better that I go away. And, and here today, what do we want? We want to be with Jesus. Right? And he says, actually, it's better that you not. Right? Or at least that's what he told his disciples. Now, the word says he draws all men into him. So we need to be drawn to him. But he says, it's better for you that I go away. Because I'm going to send another helper. And so that's what I want to talk about today is this another helper that he's going to send. And I think part of the reason that we, we have difficulty with the Holy Spirit is because, well, it's in his name. He's a spirit. Now, we know a lot about the spirit from the text, but, but when I say Jesus, and I go, what do you think about? Close your eyes, and what do you see? You see a man. When I say God the Father, and I say close your eyes, what do you see? You see a man. Maybe he's a little taller, a little bigger, right? I don't know. Maybe he's got more facial hair than Jesus. I don't know, right? 
I don't know what image you have of God the Father, right? And we've been trained over the years of this, you know, beautiful picture of Jesus that is this almost perfect form of like masculinity, yet gentle. He is bold, yet soft, right? Wisdom beyond our understanding. And there's this model picture of Jesus. And right now, in my head, I see the guy from The Chosen, right? And he's an actor. And then maybe some of you see the actor from um, The Passion of the Christ from a few years ago. Um, but, But it's easy to picture Jesus as a man. But when I say the Holy Spirit, and I say, okay, what's the picture that comes to mind when you see that? When you hear that? Some of you probably see Casper, the friendly ghost. Others of you probably see a fog or a mist that doesn't really have form and shape. Others of you just draw a blank. And so part of the reason I think that we struggle with the presence of the Holy Spirit who is supposed to be with us forever is that it's hard for us to mentally put a picture together in our minds of what that means. And so therein lies the challenge is that the Holy Spirit is that. It's a spirit. And so to admit that this spirit is real and exists and and is a part of us, we have to admit that there's this untangible, untouchable, unknowable essence about us and about this world that surrounds us that we cannot perceive in our natural senses. Spirits have no mass. They have no firmness, no softness. They're not hard. They're not hot or cold. It is something completely outside our ability to understand in a tangible world. We're used to a world that can be explained by physics. We, we can imagine having a rubber ball and dropping it and seeing it bounce. And if we imagine in slow motion, we can see the ball deform and spring back to shape. And we understand how the physical world works. We understand how God's creation works because we've studied it for all of, of the life of man. And so we understand the physical world, but I think we struggle a little bit with the spiritual world. So this formless, weightless, invisible presence of God is promised to live in each of you that have your faith in Jesus. And so we we look at that and we go, well, what does that look like? I, I don't know. What does it feel like? I don't know. I can't. Right? But there's this inward feeling. If any of you have had the Spirit really come upon you, and you've been able to speak boldly, and at the end of what you said, you went, wow. I didn't have that in me. I don't know where that came from. Congratulations. Chances are the Spirit just came on you and gave you the words to speak, like the text says he does, and you obediently, maybe even without thinking, just followed through on that. And then when you got back to your senses at the end of that, you were like, wow. I don't even know what that word I just said means. And I can tell you of a very personal encounter I had on the floor on the altar here many, many, many months ago. Probably burned that into Ken's memory 
at part of that night. But I remember at this time, and I'll just share it and just be transparent. And, and Ken, stop me if you want me to stop. But it was a Tuesday night, praise and presence, if I, if I remember correctly. And we were wrapping up, and God was just wrecking me down here. And I was supposed to be the one, like, leading it. And so I remember standing up at the end of it and just tears coming, and I could hardly, you know, had my, you know doing that kind of thing, you know. And I managed to, to get through a prayer, say goodnight, and I said, I'm going to be right here. And I got back on my face. And I can say honestly that I wrestled with God in that moment. Because I couldn't get comfortable, and yet I knew I needed to just lay my face on the floor. And just God was doing a work in me, and he was just wrenching my heart. And I had that inward conflict or twisting, whatever you want to call it. And I can't even remember the word now. I was trying so hard to remember it. What is it? And I don't think that's quite right, but it's close. Regardless, I can make something up. Y'all wouldn't know the difference. I, I got one word. And, it, and I don't know if it's Greek or Aramaic. I don't even know the origin of the word. But I got one word, and I went, what is that? What, is, what does that mean? And then, and then I just felt like the Spirit said, it's a bath. Mikvah. Mikvah, thank you. So I'm literally laying on my, on my face in the floor, finally submitted to God. Finally, just, he just let me lay there. And I got one word, and it was mikvah. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what does that mean? And it's his bath. And I'm like, is this the ceremonial bath that a priest takes in preparation of service? And so I got up off the ground, I opened up my phone, I look it up, and sure enough, it is. You see, before the priest would enter the temple, he would go to this mikvah. And the mikvah was a place where the priest would go and ceremonially wash. And it was this cleansing practice that they would go through that is supposed to purify them so that when they go into the temple, that they can enter the presence of God and be as holy and, and righteous as they physically could be. And that's what I got. And so I got up, still crying, and I, and I look up the word, and sure enough, it, it's, it's this thing, right? And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Turn the baptismal on. And we went and we ran water for a very long time. And I'd love to say that it was warm water, but, you know, it wasn't. But the thing about it was, is that I knew in that moment that I was supposed to go and dip myself in this water. And that's all I knew in the moment. And all I knew in that moment after wrestling with God is that I needed to be obedient to what the Spirit had laid on my heart and the one word that he gave me. And so we ran water for like 45 minutes, and it was maybe a foot deep at this point. And I'm like, that's good enough. And so everyone else is thinking baptism. It's some kind of baptism. It's not how mikvahs work. 
You see, the priests would go up, and often these, these baths were on the side of a hill. It's just outside the temple. It's, it's somewhere near the temple, but maybe not in it. And the priest would go up there with, with his assistant. And the priest would disrobe and get into the water. And I didn't know it then, but I know it now. But there's a certain number of times that they submerge themselves under the water. And then they come out of that, and they get the robe back on. And then that, that, that is, I'm sure there's prayers there. I'm sure there's more to it. It's a very simplified understanding that I have of it. But I just knew I had to get in that water. And so there was a few people still here, maybe a half dozen. And so I get up, we run the water, and, and everyone is like wondering what's going on, and everyone's convinced it's a baptismal, and so I send everyone out except for Ken. And so Ken and I are back at the baptism. How many of y'all have even seen the baptism? Wow, okay. Well, it won't make a whole lot of sense to you, but, but there's an area where there's like a changing room. And then you go around the corner, the baptismal's in there. And so I take Ken back there, and I explain Ken what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, you can stand around the corner. You don't have to see all of me. But I knew in that moment I just had to be obedient. And so Ken was my, my helper that night. And I disrobed, and I got down into that water. And I'm like, well, Lord, okay, now what? He's like, well, get out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you're not a sponge. You're not going to soak it up, right? Get out, right? So I get out and get dressed, and, uh, and Ken takes off. And, and everyone else at this point has, like, gone down, and they're in the office. And Ken goes, bye, guys. Out the door he goes, like, I'm not explaining this. I'm going to let Wade do this. And so, um, so anyway, so out, get my clothes on. They're a little sticky on me. Um, but I get my clothes on, and, um, and I think we ended that night, and I didn't really explain to anybody. I said, nope, let's go. I'll explain it later. And so I, I was telling Becky about what had happened and the word I got and that kind of stuff, and she says it was, it was a commission. It was the Lord saying that you're worthy. And it really was kind of a call into service, a call to something a little bit higher. And I say all that only to say that that's how the Spirit's going to work. That Spirit is that internal unction. It's that little voice you're going to hear. It's that little nudge you're going to get when things aren't quite right. It's going to be that, that helper, if you will. When you get into a sticky situation, you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. And it's going to be the little voice that's going to help you navigate your way through that situation. Because, you know, the Lord blessed us with this beautiful brain in our head. But the brain was never designed to hold the spirit. The brain was designed to look out at this world and use every feeling and sense that we have to understand what happens around us. And I think it is a marvel that, that with all that and, and hundreds of years of technology and understanding and all that stuff, they still truly don't understand how the brain works. How, how it can store memories and how it can recall memories. And, and even, even the ones like when you have a head injury, brother, right? 
how, how the brain can remap and work around the injury. It, it is almost a thing that is constantly in creation. It is constantly moving and changing based on all the stimulus and memories that we have. It is almost as if God is continually allowing part of us to remain in that creative nature that he laid the world out in. But it was never meant to hold the spirit. It is meant to be our analytical thinking, processing thing that governs a lot of the rest of our body. So when you say that, you can also say, okay, what about our imagination? Our imagination is pretty, pretty wild, right? We can come up with some, some really outlandish things. But even in our imagination, it's limited, right? Uh, and I will put it to you this way. You go to a movie, Star Wars, right? Something completely outlandish. You can imagine flying through space. You can imagine landing on the moon. You can imagine all these things, but let your phone ring or drop something and see how quickly you snap back to reality. Your imagination is never really devoid of snapping back to reality. And so the spirit is beyond imagination. It's beyond what our brain can do. It's beyond thought and imagination that we have. And so what is the spirit of man? Because in order for the, the Holy Spirit to come in and occupy that space in us, we also have to understand that there is a spirit of man. Because the, the, the Bible talks about, you know, um, our spirit joining with his spirit. And so there, there is this untangible, untouchable, unknowable peace that's within us that is also part of the spirit. And I say all that saying that, that I'm trying to put thoughts in your brain to get an idea of what the spirit is like, recognizing that I can never fully get you to the point where you completely understand the spirit. Because much like God, understanding the spirit is beyond our true capacity. Because much like God, when you think about, okay, do I, do I understand who God is? Do I understand what God is? And, and well, if you could understand that completely, then you would be saying that you would know more about God. You could somehow understand the under, unknowable. You could understand the infinite. And it's just not possible to completely wrap your head around that. So, what is the Holy Spirit that comes and occupies our personhood and, and comes into to our spirit? Well, the Bible tells us that, that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as a person, he has a personality. And that personality has emotions, intellect, and a will. And much like Becky talked about last week, the wind may blow, the Spirit may move as the Spirit wills. And so there's, there's a piece of it that, that maybe the spirit moves over here and imparts a certain wisdom over here, and then he might vacate that for a time and move over here. And so the, the spirit has these elements of personality. And one element of that personality or one attribute, if you will, um, someone wrote it as this. They called it penetratability. Penetratability. He, the Holy Spirit is able to penetrate your heart. He's able to penetrate your spirit and your being 
without ever ejecting and, and removing or displacing any of your being. Think of it like getting a shot. They can come and give you an injection. You've lost nothing, except for maybe a few skin cells that are in the needle, right? And yet there's something more that, that you've gained that's inside of you. And that's kind of what the Spirit does. It allows God can penetrate into another spirit. He penetrates into the spirit of man. And so there's this intermingling between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of man that happens when God puts a deposit in our lives. And the beautiful thing about that is when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in with a flashlight and a broom. And he begins to search out all those dark places on the inside of you. And, and he shines his light on those dark places and says, nope, that's got to go. And he begins to sweep that into a pile and sweep it out of you. And that work of the Holy Spirit in us is that cleansing, beautiful cleansing spirit that God puts in us that, that allows you to feel that conviction. It allows you to, to go back to your old life. The, we talked about a couple weeks ago about the new man and the old man. And whenever that old man wants to rear its head and that flesh wants to rear up, it's that new man and that spirit that's been imparted into you that, that makes you feel like, oh, that's, that's not nearly as attractive as it used to be. In fact, I might want to stay away from that. And things that used to be comfortable and easy to engage in are now suddenly uncomfortable. And that's the spirit working within us. It says, the integrity of the human personality remains unimpaired. Only moral evil is forced to withdraw. You see, the presence of God within us pushes out the, the sin and the sinful desires that used to make their home there. So that's what the Spirit does. And again, it's hard to imagine this. It's hard to feel like there's a Spirit living within us. And frankly, uh, there's a couple other scriptures, and it says don't resist the Holy Spirit. So you can put up a fight against the Holy Spirit. And another scripture says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So through our actions and through our resisting and through our opposing the Holy Spirit. We can actually grieve the Spirit. And so if you think about it that way, when you think about a personality and an attribute of God, we actually cause him to grieve. We actually can resist what he's trying to do in our lives. And anyone who's been saved for any period of time knows that we can do that, and we do it all too frequently. So we have to submit ourselves to the Spirit. We have to allow him to work within us. All right, two more things here, and I'm going to wrap this up. Maybe three. All right. Verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father will send you another. And by saying another, there has to be a first. And here's the beautiful thing we miss. Is that by sending another, he says, we've already sent one. His name was Jesus. And now we're going to send another. So that, that word, another there, is a Greek word called allos, A-L-L-O-S. And it literally, quite literally means another of the same kind. And so here Jesus is going, it's better that I go away, but I'm going to send you another of the same kind to come and take my place. And not only will he be able to walk the streets with you, but he will 
be within you and always with you forever. And so there's another one in my likeness, in the same type that I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly, except he's going to come in a little bit different form than I came in. He's going to come in the form of a spirit. He's going to be all that divinity that invaded this earthly vessel that Jesus was packaged in, except he's not going to be in the package. He's going to be in this spirit that now can, as we see in Acts, multiply himself and spread himself over all of them. And if any of you are math majors, anything times infinity is still infinity. And so with an infinite God, no matter how small you multiply that amount that he has, he has sectioned off and given you, you are connected to the infinity of God. And so there is an infinite source and presence in your life if you've given your life and faith in Jesus that he has imparted in you, that you now get to allow that Holy Spirit to work within you, and you have all the resources in heaven available to you. Amen? Now, the other word is also in verse 16, and it says, I will pray the Father will give you another helper. Now, your version might say something different. It might say comforter. It might say advocate. It might say any number of things, because that word that's used there is parakletos. It's a Greek word, and it technically means defense attorney. So the Lord is going to send us a defense attorney so that when you get accused, your defense attorney can stand there and go, um, here's how you answer that. Um, okay, just hold your tongue just a minute. I'm going to tell you what to say. Okay? Right, have you all ever seen that? They have this discussion, right? And it takes like five minutes. And then they get back to the mic. No. So this word parakletos technically means defense attorney. And another way to, to describe that says one called to stand next to you as a helper. I mean, legitimately, in this world, how many accusations do we face? Hopefully not that many. Hopefully we're leading a pretty good life. We don't face that many, but they come. They come through misunderstanding, miscommunication, being at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And so our helper comes beside us. Our defense attorney comes beside us as our helper. And so some of the other words they use there is counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor, helper, and even savior. But the key is that none of these words in and of themselves really describe all of what the Holy Spirit does. Yes, he is all of those things. He takes on all of those roles. He is the comforter in the midst of our trial. He is the counselor when we need that word from God to break through the, the obstacles of life. He's the encourager and the intercessor and the helper. And if you have your passion translation, they actually use the word savior. And it says, for savior depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, and save us from ourselves and our enemies and keep us whole and healed. Wow, what a beautiful job. And what a hard job that Holy Spirit must have. I know me. And that Holy Spirit's got to have some rough hands. Because I know I keep him working pretty hard. Not every day. 
But he doesn't get a day off either. But that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's one who guides and defends and comforts and consoles. And it's beautiful. Now, part two. So that word is in Greek, and that part of the text was in Greek. Well, that Greek word actually has a root from an Aramaic word, and it'll be familiar. And it's parakleta. You'll notice that it sounds similar to parakletos. Well, parakleta is a word taken from the root of two words. It's basically a conjunction of two words. And so the first word is prok, which means to end, to finish, or to save. And the second word is lata, which means the curse. And so quite figuratively, in the Aramaic word, that word parakletos, in the Aramaic it's parakleta, literally means to end the curse. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So paracleta literally means a a redeemer who ends the curse. And if you think about our salvation, you think about Acts, you think about what happens when we begin and have faith in Christ, what is the first thing that gets deposited in us? The Holy Spirit. The one who's the counselor and protector, the one that ends the curse. That gives us the authority and the power not to pick up sin again. And as Becky put it last week, to, to we're not obliged to follow the will of the, the flesh and, and the demands of sin in our life. So the Holy Spirit allows us to quite figuratively tell the flesh no. It doesn't have authority anymore. You don't have that job. There is a new sheriff in town. (laughs) Praise God. So let's read that verse again. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father that he will give you another helper, the parakletos, the parakleta, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So praise God that he put a deposit in your life. Praise God that you now are free to live apart from sin. Well, wait, wait, Pastor, but, but doesn't it say that all men sin? Yes, it says all men sin, but it doesn't say all men have to continue sinning. In fact, the word declares, and the Holy Spirit would agree, that you have the authority and the power and the strength to live a righteous life. And you do that in 2 Peter by coming to know him. And I like to say this sometimes, you'll have the will of God in your life. Let me mess this up, and they're real good now. You'll have the desires of your heart when your heart reflects the desires of God's heart. And that's where we need to get to. That's, that's where we need to get. This world, we're only temporary visitors here. We're, we're only on, on, on temporary duty here. And while we're here, the Lord gave us a job to do. And we're supposed to go out and share this gospel and let people know that there is life and life more abundantly. 
that they don't have to live under the pressures and the weight and the conviction that this world would heap upon them, that there is liberty and freedom in Jesus Christ. And that if we will put our faith in him, that we get this deposit of this Holy Spirit, who then becomes our advocate, our defense attorney, our counselor, and our comforter, our empowerer, who allows us to push off the world, to focus on Christ, and walk towards him every day of our life, becoming more and more like him. And like Karen was sharing earlier, as we begin to get those ingredients, that love and the joy and the peace, and we, we allow that Holy Spirit to, to put that recipe in our lives, what comes out of our life is going to be the fruit of that Spirit. That cake that's baked within us is going to be a sweet, succulent cake that people are going to love and adore, and they're going to go, how did you do it? And you're going to go, it just took this mess that I am and put this deposit of the Holy Spirit in me, and it pushed out every bitter thing in my life. And all that's left is love, joy, peace, kindness, and all those beautiful fruits of the Spirit. Let me leave you with this. This is from my favorite author. He says, when the Spirit illuminates the heart, then a part of man sees which never saw before. A part of him knows which never knew before. And with a kind of knowing which, is the most, which the most acute thinker cannot imitate, he knows now in a deep and authoritative way, and what he knows needs no reason proof. His experience of knowing is above reason, immediate, perfectly convincing him, and inwardly satisfying. So stand with me as we close here today. I want to leave you with one more scripture, and this comes out of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2. And when Paul comes in, he's talking to the church. And he says, no, the wisdom we speak of is a mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. And that's why the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us, and I'll include everyone in this room in that, that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. There is a real need in our lives for that Holy Spirit to live within us. Someone came to me this week and said, oh, Pastor, I know how much you love the Old Testament. I want you to know that I was reading in that and I have seen things that I have never seen before. 
It was like the text that I'd read so many times was brand new again. And I said, that's the Spirit revealing it to you. And so we need the Spirit to reveal those mysteries in the text. We need the Spirit to navigate everyday life. We need the Spirit moving and and operating in our life and we need to tune our eyes and our ears, our inward sensibilities to that gentle wind and how he would move. And that is going to unlock the mysteries that God has for us, the secrets that God has for us, God's deep secrets. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.